Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Yeah, uh, testing one, two, three. Um, I'm recording right now, so it seems to be working. I'm Annie Reese, and this is Politico Dispatch. You've probably heard about the infant formula crisis. An FDA recall of formula made at a contaminated Abbott plant helped trigger a nationwide formula shortage. Hi, my name is Doug Palmer. I'm the senior trade reporter at Politico. I mean, the, the infant formula, I think, caught everybody by surprise. I mean, people probably weren't even aware that 98% of production was done in the United States. That's right, 98% of formula is made in the United States, which is great until there's a shortage. On the show today, how Made in America and a combination of FDA regulation and trade policy worsened an infant formula crisis. Infant formula that's sold in the United States has to meet standards set by the Food and Drug Administration. And foreign producers have not necessarily been producing to those standards. That's not to say that their baby formula is unsafe, but it's it's just being produced according to their own domestic standards set by their own domestic regulators. Mm -hmm. So that just becomes a regulatory barrier that has to be overcome in order to get that product into the into the United States. In addition, there are tariffs on infant formula that make it harder for foreign producers to sell in the United States. I mean, that's probably less of a factor right now because demand for infant formula is, is so high and people mm -hmm. are already paying, you know, exorbitant prices that the tariffs themselves are probably not the major obstacle, although arguably... Um, if you reduce the tariffs, that would that could help the situation. So I would say the regulatory hurdle is probably the biggest one. And it looks like they're trying to identify sources of supply that they feel, you know, confident that will be safe for American consumers and bringing those in on a case by case basis. But it, but it also depends on how abundant um, foreign supplies are right now. And uh, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I assume that there's more slack in the system in the EU than there currently is in the United, in the United States. But whether mm -hmm. they have enough to completely fill the current U.S. shortfall, I, I, I really don't know. Hmm. So as you said, the infant formula shortage is basically the inverse in a lot of ways of what happened at the start of the pandemic. So I guess I'm wondering, like, is this truly a cautionary tale or is it just one very bad experience, you know, because of this kind of perfect storm that led to this crisis and the Abbott plant being shut down? Like, are there trade lessons to be learned from this shortage about not having so much domestic production or is this more of a fluke? Uh, I think it depends on your perspective, but I think there is a lesson to be taken from it that you don't want to be entirely dependent upon domestic producers and that you want to have a diversity of suppliers so that if something happens in the United States that puts the domestic industry out of production, you can rely on, on imports as well. Yeah. I mean, how 
rare or singular is something like this? Like, is being a trade reporter kind of a series of just watching people sort of say like, oh, our foreign supply chains are not strong enough. And then like something like this happens and it's like our domestic supply chains aren't strong enough. How rare is something like this? Well, I mean, it's a pretty unusual period, um, the, the pandemic and um, the, the focus that it's put on supply chains. I mean, before that, I hadn't written a whole lot about supply chains. I mean, it was mm. an issue that people in the trade community cared about, but it wasn't an issue that people in the uh, general public focused on very much because there hadn't really been a supply chain crisis for people to be concerned about. And, you know, the pandemic, I think, has changed that by kind of increasing the awareness of uh, supply chains and, and how dependent we are on foreign sources of supply in some instances. You know, probably in some cases, we're too dependent on, upon imports. And it makes sense to, you know, encourage more production in the United States. But I guess I would say what the infinite formula situation highlights is that you don't want to go too far in the other direction. You don't want to encourage so much production in the United States that you exclude all imports entirely, because then you can also be caught short if suddenly mm -hmm. something happens here and one of your major producers goes down. Right. So talk to me about what the Biden administration has done to combat this. Last week, Biden authorized the Defense Production Act, right, which meant that he can now bring it, use Air Force planes to bring in formula from Europe. Right. I mean, they, they, they reached an agreement with Abbott to bring that facility back online, although I think it'll be, people say it'll be something like six to eight weeks before it actually starts producing. And in the mm -hmm. meantime, they've arranged these flights out of Europe and potentially other places as well, I'm not, I'm not sure, uh, just to bring in baby formula uh, much faster than it would come in through normal commercial channels. So they're trying to fill the gap. But, you know, I think the gap is quite substantial. So I, I don't know how effective those flights will be in making sure that every parent that wants or needs baby formula is able to get it. Mm -hmm. I would say this, that when the Biden administration came into office and they decided to focus on critical supply chains, infant formula was not on their list. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think it was on anybody's list. I mean, they were concerned about uh, semiconductors and personal pr protective equipment and pharmaceuticals, stuff that the pandemic exposed our, our vulnerabilities. This issue sort of cropped up, you know, relatively late in the pandemic and I think caught a lot of people by surprise because the, uh, you know, the industry had been humming along pretty well. And then, you know, they were forced to do that recall because of contamination issues. And then that also that ultimately led to the plant shutting down. And then gradually um, there was this supply shortage that developed and, you know, arguably the maybe the government should have stepped in a lot sooner than it did. Yeah. So it's kind of an example of how you can try to be prepared for every eventuality, but mm -hmm. there's always going to be something that happens that you didn't think of. And mm -hmm. I don't know whose fault is that. It happens to me personally. And so I'm sure it can happen to governments. If you go too far either way, you've increased your vulnerability. 
if you're totally dependent upon de- domestic producers and something goes wrong with one of your manufacturers, then you're in a bad situation. If you're totally relying on imports and one of your import suppliers, for whatever reason, can't supply you anymore, then that's a problem. That's a problem too. Doug Palmer, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. I hope it was helpful. Also in the news, new home sales fell 16.6% in April, according to Census Bureau data released Tuesday. The chief economist for the National Association of Home Buyers called it a clear, quote, recession warning. And the Naming Commission, a panel created by Congress last year to oversee the removal of Confederate names from Defense Department property, has recommended nine new names for Army bases. The Pentagon will have until early 2024 to carry out the committee's suggestions. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>